you're doing applications, you're thinking, you know what, this is so stressful for me. I'm not getting anywhere. Just don't give up. Keep going. And remember that it's temporary. That's one of the pieces of advice I would have given myself that any hard part of the training is temporary. Any hard part of the LPC is temporary. So just try not to think of anything as being, you know, permanent and it'll help you to push through the difficult times. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the student lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future trainee solicitor and current LPC student at the University of Law and I will be your host for today. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Annabelle Akintomide, in-house lawyer specialising in financial services. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing Annabelle's career journey, her tips for succeeding as a trainee, and also her experiences as an in-house lawyer. So without further ado, let's welcome Annabelle onto the show. Welcome, Annabelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, Okay, so let's get straight into the questions. Um, It'd be great if for the benefit of the listeners, you could maybe give us a bit of a background about you and your career to date. Sure. Um, so I studied law at university, so did a three-year law degree. Um, during my second year of university, I was applying for training contracts, um, so to work and train at a law firm, and I managed to secure a training contract at an international law firm in London. So I finished off my studies at university, then I did the LPC in London, and then I trained and qualified. Um, Yeah, so that's my career path to date. So quite straightforward. I didn't take any gap years or any breaks along the way. I just kind of continued the journey through. So um, did you always know that you wanted to be a lawyer? It sounds like it was quite a straight line for you. I wondered if you could maybe go into that a little bit. Yeah, it's a really interesting question you ask because I wasn't really sure what to study at university and I wasn't sure that I would become a solicitor later on as well. However, I thought law is you know, a really interesting degree. I thought I would enjoy studying it and it also leads to so many other areas. So that's why I studied law. And very early on in my first year, I 
thought, wow, I actually really do enjoy what I'm learning. I'd love to continue the path um, and be a solicitor. So it was a very straight path from, from the moment I realized, yes, this is what I want to do. But it's interesting because I didn't really know that's what I would decide. I just thought, yep, let me study law and then see what happens from there. So I'm really glad that early on I realized that law was for me and I decided to pursue a legal career. Well, I know there are some other people who within their first year, they think, wow, this is not for me. And they go the opposite way. So I'm glad I realized early on what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's so interesting, actually. I remember at uni, there's like two camps of people, um, the people that love the law degree and then the people that think, oh, gosh, this is really isn't for me. So it sounds like we're both in the the camp of the fact that we love it. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I mentioned right at the beginning when I was doing the introduction that you are a financial services lawyer. Um, So I wondered if you could explain a bit about what being a financial services lawyer involves. Yes, sure. Um, So when we think about financial services, it's um, the provision of various services related to finance and those um, that would need those services. So things like um, investment banking is a good area to think about when it comes to financial services. And the areas I focus on is quite niche um, to do with derivatives. So that's another area. Um, So when we think of financial services, it's quite wide. Um, So it involves capital markets, structured finance work, um, work with funds, asset managers, insurance, stockbrokers, and any other businesses that also deal with the management of money. Um, When we think about the financial crisis, which happened in 2008, that was a prompt for a lot more regulation in the industry. So there's been loads of regulation in order to um, manage how the services are provided and the activities that are also conducted. So because of that, lawyers have a lot more work to do in order to help their clients to understand what these regulations are and these requirements are and how they can comply. So a lot of our work is thinking about new changes that come about and how to make sure that clients and those we work with are complying with the new changes that are in place, basically just to protect the market. Because before um, there was a view that there wasn't enough protections in place with the activities that going that was going on um which is an issue so that's why there's more regulation that's a big area of the work you know thinking about how does this regulation impact our work and what do we need to do going forward we'll also be involved in documentation agreements structuring and negotiating so it's quite a wide area of work that sounds fascinating financial services is definitely something that i'm interested in personally um So did you know that you wanted to be a financial services lawyer from the beginning or, I mean, how did you decide what practice area you wanted to qualify into? It's a a really interesting question you ask because I remember studying um, property at university and hating it. And then I did property real estate um, on the LPC and I thought, wow, I really enjoyed this work. It's really good. I'm going to be a property lawyer. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and then during my training contract, I didn't even do a um, seat in property or real estate, but I touched on it when I was in another department. And within a short space of time, I realized that actually, no, I don't want to go into property. So one thing I would say is when you're thinking about different areas to work in, it's it's fine to have an idea because I thought I had an idea, but it's also good to be open-minded because how it is to study an area is very different to how it is to actually work in the area. So even with the LPC, although you are given more of a practical approach to learning and seeing some of the things that people do on a day-to-day basis, it is still very different to when you are on the job. So yeah, I thought I would go into um, property and I hated it um, when I did some of it on the 
during my training contract. So what I would say is I decided that I wanted to be very open-minded and not limit myself to thinking I knew what I wanted to do. So I was very open-minded. I had a few areas of interest, but within that, I tried to be very open-minded to understand you know, what kind of work I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. Um, and I was happy to try new things. So by doing that, um, during my training contract, I was able to do a seat in a department, which I really enjoyed. I did lots of structured finance work. And I thought, yes, this is an area that I want to go into. Um, I also did a secondment at a bank, which I loved. And I thought, yes, it's an area that I want to do more work in. So that's kind of how I came to my conclusion of going into the area I'm currently in it was by being open-minded and trying new things and my comment was quite a nice way as well for me to cement my desire to go into this area as well. I really like that I think that's a really good message to keep an open mind and just to see what happens and, and what you yeah. actually kind of gravitate towards as you go through mm. it. Um, and also another point to add is that it's very important for someone to think about what kind of work they want to do so sometimes people want like work that stays the same or all the time something they can learn and they can master whereas other people may like work that has a lot of variety that changes all the time I personally didn't want an area that's the same I wanted an area that would change a lot where I can continue to learn and develop because otherwise I would have you know I would become quite bored so it's also quite important to understand what type of work do you want and that will also help you when it comes to deciding and deciding about what side of work you want to qualify into as well oh, that's, a, that's a really really good point um, and so I'm starting my training contract next year um, and I'm kind of looking out for tips and tricks for how I can be uh, the best trainee I can be. So I wondered if you've got any tips for how to succeed during a training contract and then also as a junior lawyer, if it's maybe different or maybe it's the same. I don't know. Sure. Um, one thing I would say is be very proactive and ask ask loads of questions I think when you start somewhere new it's very easy to think okay there's a lot of pressure I want to do well I want to impress the people I work with but everyone understands you are just starting out you are a trainee no one's expecting you to know everything no one's expecting you to come in and you know close deals that's not what you're going to be doing anyway so I think it's important to understand that you are starting out and it's okay to ask questions and the people that ask questions normally learn learn more because they're not pretending when they don't understand something they're unlikely to get things wrong because when they're not sure they ask so I'd always say and encourage that you should ask questions and also be proactive so if there's an area you think you can help on be proactive to ask about it so you may be working for associates or partners ask them you know if you know something that doesn't look right be proactive and raise it as well even if you're wrong at least you've been proactive um so those are two things I would say also one thing I would touch on is as with any new job, you may have ups and downs. So I know there's a lot of trainees who may go through times when they're thinking, wow, the work is intense. The hours may not be <laughs> what you had in mind. The hours can be quite intense as well. So there will be there will be ups and downs and just try and ride through it and understand that it's just a training process. But at the same time, be quite mindful of your mental health. I think a lot of organisations now um, are understanding how important that is and the need for, you know, for there to be balanced when it comes to work, especially if you're working in a very busy department. So hopefully that's not a problem, but just be quite mindful. You don't want to burn out. So if you are noticing that things aren't great with your workload, just be very mindful of that because it's very important for you to take care of your physical um, and your mental health. And the last thing I would say is, is attention to detail is so important, especially as a lawyer. 
you need to not only pick up on mistakes and things like that, but understand, you know, the nitty gritty when it comes to the work that you're doing for your clients and the actual detail, because those things make um, such a big difference. That's another thing I would say to really think about attention to detail. So to summarize, I said you should be um, be open to asking questions. Don't be afraid or shy to do so. Be proactive um, when there are ups and downs try to learn how to manage that in the best way possible and be really mindful of your um, physical and mental health. And then also remember your attention to detail when it comes to every piece of work you do. It's better to take your time and do it well than to rush it and make loads of mistakes. That's brilliant, brilliant advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And so I want to go on and ask questions about your experiences as an in-house lawyer now. so for a little bit of background, I understand that you trained in um, a law firm and then and then moved in-house. So I wondered if you could share with us the reason for deciding to move in-house. Yeah, sure. I wonder if I could maybe give a brief um, description of what it means to work in-house, just in case anyone listening um, is not completely aware. So before we dive into the term. So when we talk about the environments that a solicitor in the UK works in, there's normally mainly two. So a solicitor may work in a law firm or they may work for for themselves in their own firm and they're working for different clients. Um, And this is normally referred to being in private practice. And the second environment is where a solicitor works in a legal team outside of a law firm. So instead being within a company. So this could be like a bank or another type of company. And the main focus when they do so tends to be on the needs of that organization or company that they're working in. So to recap, when we say the term in-house, it refers to someone who works within the legal department within a company um, or organization. Thank you so much for clarifying that um, for our listeners. That's that's really, really helpful. Um, so, so what was the the reason for deciding to move from private practice to um, an in-house role? So, when I was doing my training contract, I was really happy and glad that I was able to do a secondment. So, I did a secondment at a bank for six months, and I enjoyed it. I really loved the style of work. I loved the environment. It was very fast-paced, um, and when you when you go from a law firm to a bank. They expect you to know everything, so there's a lot of pressure, but I loved working there and I found it to be a very amazing experience. After I qualified, I also um, did another secondment at a bank and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I noticed very early on that I preferred working in-house, in an in-house environment rather than a law firm. And I also liked the kind of responsibility that it afforded me. So typically when you work in a law firm, there's a certain structure in place. You would have a partner who's responsible for the deal. Um, you'll have associates working on um, the matter as well. And then you will also have um, trainees as well. And because of the structure, it's there could be quite a lot of difference in terms of how much responsibility you are given at an early stage. Whereas when you work in-house, I found that any in-house environment I've been in, I've had a lot of responsibility from day one and it's really helped me to develop and progress as well um, in terms of my skill set and my knowledge. So I noticed that I really loved working in-house. I loved the style a lot more than working in private practice. So once I decided that, I thought, okay, I know what I like doing. I need to find out how I can make a permanent move to an in-house role. So that's what prompted me to do so, me liking the style of work and also the amount of responsibility I was given as well. But that being said, it's I would say it's also not for everyone because there may be other people who prefer um, the flip side where they're not forced to take on 
not maybe not forced as a term where they're not expected to take on a lot of responsibility and they have a lot more oversight on their work whereas working in-house I don't have um have as much compared to someone who's working in private practice so someone may decide actually they prefer the flip side where they work in a maybe a more structured team and they work on things in that manner and I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying before about different practice areas suiting different people, different personalities mm-hmm. and different styles of working. So I guess the same thing applies to in-house um, and private practice. It depends on how you like to work. Um, so, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. Um, and so once you decided you wanted to move in-house, was it then difficult to make the transition? Um, and then are there any key differences between the interview process for law firms and in-house um, interviews for anyone who might be uh, thinking about interviewing for in-house or private practice? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So I would say it wasn't a difficult transition just because I had previously worked um at a bank twice I'd worked in an in-house environment previously so it wasn't new to me but I think for someone who was to just jump into it for the first time and it being more of a permanent role it might be like oh wow this is how things are done in-house um so maybe more of a, a bigger transition whereas because I already had been in those environments things weren't a shock to me how things are done in-house was not a shock to me um so just just by way of example I previously worked in a really large law firm so we had a lot of separate departments which primarily were there to assist um, you as a solicitor so for instance you'll have um, document departments which help you with certain documentation tasks and things like that whereas when you're working in-house it's very different in terms of what the company is doing and also some of the additional support services that you have as well so for some people it may be a shock um, when you have those changes and for others it may be okay so I would say for me personally wasn't a difficult transition just because I'd done it previously as well so it was fine um and I would say when you talk about the differences between being in a law firm and being in-house I would say the interview process I would say is not very difficult um so not very different um it's more or less the same you know making sure you're the right fit making sure you have the ability to do the work but I guess some some companies may expect you to have done work previously in-house some may not mind that you haven't so it just depends on the company in question um but yeah there are there are big differences I would say in terms of being in private practice and being in a law firm but the interview process itself I would say tends to be fairly similar I nothing majorly different I would say in that respect but the work itself is different oh that's that's really helpful to know thank you for sharing Before we get into the second half of the episode, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of today's show and the law school that I chose to study my LPC at, and that's the University of Law. The University of Law believes in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. Their experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life experience from the start. They offer a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Um, And what does a typical day look like for an in-house lawyer, if there is such a thing? (laughs) If there is such a thing, I like that. Um, 
There isn't a typical day, I would say. Um, Every day is very different, which I like. But there are key elements that are the same across each day, which I can touch on. So I personally like to start my day with a plan because without a plan, there's no direction in my view. So I always start the day with a plan, go through all my emails and see what I need to do for the day. Um, Before I do say what I do personally, I would say that for other in-house lawyers, what they do and what their typical day looks like will vary a lot depending on the type of company they work for, whether it's a big company, whether it's a small company, the type of area of work they focus on, the type of team they have. So that all would make in-house roles um, and our tasks quite different anyway, um, because because that alone has a big variety um, when you're looking at a typical day. But for me personally, I typically have to review lots of documents, go through emails. Because of the role I have, I'm not only supporting people internally by working in-house for a company, but I'm also supporting people externally. I I face a lot of people externally to our company, so I have a lot of that. Um, I work a lot with law firms around the world, so that's quite a nice part of my my role. Previously, having worked in a law firm, I know what it's like to be on the other side, so it's quite nice being on the other side and facing the law firms and being their client. Um, There's a lot of troubleshooting as well, or deciding how to find solutions to any problems that arise or any new things we need to be thinking about. Um, So just to give an example, obviously we had COVID recently or we're still going through COVID. Um, You have to also think about how that impacts the business and also the people you work with. So that was a a thing I was looking at in the start of COVID. So last year, thinking about how COVID has an impact on the work we do and what services and things we can do to help the people we work with going forward. Um, I'll also say a key part is to stay on top of any legal developments and any commercial developments that are going on as well. Um, And then also maybe helping and assisting others internally with any projects that they're working on as well. That sounds like a really um, interesting and varied role. It sounds, yeah, super varied in-house. That must be be really good. Um, And and what skills do you think are required for in-house lawyers that might be different to the skills required in private practice? I would say the skills are largely the same. Um, there's there's nothing that you would need as in as an in-house lawyer that you shouldn't need or you shouldn't want to display when you're working in private practice. So the skills are very similar, I would say. But I would all, I'll just stress that I would say that business acumen is possibly comes to light a bit more because you're working internally. So you need to be able to understand the needs of the company you're working in things that are coming up, any new projects and how that fits into the overall company's aims. Whereas when you're working in a law firm, the main aim is to assist clients and their overall business objectives. So I think when you do go higher up within a law firm, so becoming partner level, that strategic element of the role comes into play more. But I would say when you're working in-house, it, it starts off a lot earlier um, and earlier stage of your work as well. Um, so yeah, I would say there's nothing major that I would say is quite different. It's it's more or less quite the same, quite similar. Um, I would say though that when you're working in, in a law firm, you're typically mainly working with lawyers. Whereas when you're working in-house, you could be working with people from 101 different types of departments that don't deal with law. It's a lot wider. Um, so your ability to work well with them and understand things that are their main focus points as well is very, very important, which might be slightly different to when you're working in a law firm. That's really interesting, actually. And I suppose if you're speaking to people quite often that aren't lawyers, then perhaps communicating in a simple 
you know, not using legalese and legal jargon and that sort of thing, maybe that is quite important as well in-house. Whereas if you're a lawyer and you're working in um, in private practice and you're working with large teams of lawyers and you're speaking to lawyers all day, then perhaps you end up speaking more legalese and, and not yeah, kind of simplifying things. Yeah, definitely. That's a good um, observation. That's definitely how it is. Um, Depending on who you work for when you are working in a law firm, your clients could be lawyers in another company or they could be people who have no idea what the law is or have no legal background. So that may come into play too, not speaking with legal jargon. Just depends on who you're facing really. But when you are in-house, you are frequently working a lot more with non-lawyers. Whereas when you're in private practice, that's not as frequent unless you're facing someone um, externally. And I guess the good news too that I loved is that when you are working in-house, you shouldn't have to do any billable hours or time recording. So that's a big plus because when you're working in private practice, the main way you um, assist the business is to bill your hours and that's how they bill their work. So not having to record your time on different matters and tasks is a big plus for me (laughs) working in-house at the moment. I love not having to spend time trying to do the admin of recording how much time I spent on this task and that task. I can just work and focus on my work. So that's really nice as well. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the billable hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet to experience it, but I will I will next year. So interesting. <laughs> fun times ahead, I would say for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and I noticed from looking at your LinkedIn page that you've had several different job titles, such as lawyer, counsel and assistant general counsel and director. And I don't understand what all those mean. So I wondered if you could maybe tell us a bit more about the roles in-house and general career progression in-house and how it sort of works. And because, you know, I'm quite familiar with private practice where you get trainee, associate and then partner. Mm -hmm. So these job titles sound quite unfamiliar to to me and maybe some of our listeners as well. So, yeah, I'm really interested to learn more about that. Sure. Um, So I would say when you're looking at in-house roles, um, the job titles are very specific to the company, um, so they can be very varied. And how they are in terms of what they mean can be d- mean different things at different companies. So, for instance, if you're working in a law firm in Birmingham or London, partner means partner. It doesn't mean different things. Whereas when you're in-house, the term, some, some terms can mean slightly different things depending on where you are because of the company in question. So, um, that's one thing to bear in mind, the the type job titles can be completely different depending on where you are and the structure may not be as clear for some people um, compared to when you're working in private practice. As you noted, the the structure is very, very clear, a lot clearer, I would say, when you're in private practice. And it's, it tends to be because aside from partner level, generally speaking, when you um, are promoted, it happens at specific stages, depending on how much experience you have. Typically, that's the approach that law firms generally use. So, for instance, after you've trained for two years, you will automatically no longer be a trainee solicitor anymore and you would normally be an associate at that point. Um, and then within a certain amount of years, your job title may change again and so on and so forth. Um, whereas in 
when you're working in-house, this tends not to always be the case. There tends to be other metrics that are used, not just your experience to determine when you are promoted. It's very much based on your performance as well as other factors as well. So the structure is very different. Where I am, it's very clear for me what the structure is. And I'm, I understand what my career progression could look like. But that being said, there are other people who may say that working in-house is not as clear or as vivid. Um, what is a good opportunity though is that where you are working in-house because it may not be a rigid structure that also means that you have more opportunities as well um, as opposed to a law firm where the opportunities are very defined that being said I think in the last year or so especially with COVID and lots of other things happening I am seeing a lot more variety come about and even within law firms people being more proactive and happy to create new roles um, whereas they didn't do so before um, so, yeah, that's just to explain the titles. It can be very different depending on where you work, but you typically won't see the same titles you see at a law firm, at um, at a legal department in an in-house, um, in an in-house capacity when you're doing a legal, legal um, facing service. So for me personally, um, the company I've worked at, I've had a few promotions. That's been really, really nice. Um, um, as you know, so I'm currently assistant general counsel and director. I work, my role, I am mainly doing a legal role, but I also assist another department as well. So that's kind of why my title kind of has two elements to it, the assistant general counsel and director element. Um, and just to explain, when you work in-house, you normally would have a general counsel and that general counsel is basically head of legal. So that's the person who's responsible or the head of the whole legal department in that um, in that company. So assistant general counsel is someone who directly assists the general counsel in delivering our, um, our functions in legal. So I directly work with our general counsel when it comes to the legal work we do within the department. So it's a really nice, it's a really nice role that I, I enjoy doing. Thank you for explaining it so much clearer now. And it, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's quite varied between companies, but, um, but yeah, it just it sounds really, really interesting. And so you've given us such a great insight into in-house life. Um, and so some of our listeners might be thinking, OK, how do I get a career as an in-house lawyer? So do you have any tips for those people who might want a career in-house, but maybe don't know where to start? Sure. And that's a really good question. I would say um it depends on the stage you're at. So if you are already training or you're about to start a training contract, if you can do a secondment at the law firm that you will be working in or you are working in, I would recommend doing so. So it could be at a company, it could be at a bank or another financial institution, it could be anywhere. But I would say if you can do a secondment, that would be a really good opportunity for you to dip your dip your feet into the water and to see whether you even like working in-house or whether you don't because some people do, some people don't. I know people have worked in a law firm for, you know, 20 years and they've never wanted to work house, work in-house. So I would say if you are doing a training contract at the moment or you're about to try to do a secondment where you can, um, even when you qualify, there are so many law firms that still offer secondment opportunities to work with clients. So that's what I did and I think that was an amazing way for me to get the best of both worlds. I worked you know, in um, private practice, had a really good structure with my training and I really enjoyed that, but I was also able to work in-house in a completely different environment. So that's one tip I would say, if you are about to start a training contract, I would recommend trying to do a secondment. If you, I know there are people who also train in 
in legal departments in-house as well. So they may do their training, not in a law firm, but, at, but in a company. So if you're doing that, you really have that exposure, which is great. And you can see whether you enjoy it. But on the flip side, it would be good for you to also see whether you can also work with a law firm just to get exposure to that environment and see whether you like it as well. Um, I would always say that if there's a certain type of company or industry you want to work in, think about the type of companies that they have um, in that industry. Let's say, for instance, you like media, think about different media companies or organizations, ITV, to give an example, and um, think about um, checking on their website to see any vacancies that they may have for their legal department or any exposure you can have. Also think about work experience you can do in, for, in companies, because I think that's a good way as well of getting exposure to in-house environments on a short-term basis if you don't want to commit to it long-term. So that's what I would generally recommend. Think about where you want to work um, and look at the kind of companies in that industry and just look on their website, see what opportunities they have available. And if you are doing a training contract already, then try and do a secondment. Um, That being said, some people just jump into working in-house after their training. They haven't had any succumbent opportunities available to them. They decide just to dip their feet straight in without having done so previously. And that's fine too, um, if that's what you want to do. But um, I would always say just be proactive and looking on websites and seeing what opportunities are out there. Because there are loads. Um, I would say some companies don't offer training contracts. Um, They only offer permanent roles once you are qualified they don't offer any training opportunities in terms of training contracts so just to see just see what's available and then go from there brilliant thank you so much and if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice for when you started your legal career what would that be Mm, that's a really nice and interesting question I think one one um piece of advice I would probably give myself was just to understand how quickly things will go you know as we've seen 2021 is is over in a few days time goes so quickly so I would just recommend um I would recommend that anyone or if I had to look back and start again that I understand how quickly time goes and just make the most of every opportunity that you get provided with and also when you have those difficult times in your career just remember that it's temporary because as I as I mentioned previously when we were speaking um Camilla there might be times when you're doing your training contract you think wow this is this is difficult or I don't like this department just remember it doesn't last forever it's very temporary and that will help you to get through the ups and downs of maybe your training contract and the start of your career if you're doing applications you're thinking you know what this is so this is so stressful for me I'm not getting anywhere just don't give up keep going and remember that it's temporary that's one piece of advice I would have given myself that any hard part of the training is temporary any hard part of the LPC is temporary so just try not to think of anything as being you know permanent and it'll help you to push through the difficult times I really like that I think that's great advice thank you so much Annabelle for sharing um and finally before we let you go I'm always on the lookout for new books, films and podcasts, um, especially over the Christmas break. Um, I'm going to have, well, not too much spare time, but maybe a little bit. So I wondered if you had any favourite non-law books, films or podcasts you would recommend to me and the listeners. Sure. Um, So a podcast that I love, love, love is called Diary of a CEO. Um, you can find it on Spotify, also YouTube, and it's just so insightful because there's lots of interviews from different CEOs on things they've learned during their career, and they share so many gems of things they've learned, which you can also learn too, regardless of whether you own a business or not. Any 
any stage you are at at your career, it's really insightful to kind of learn from people who've been through things and, you know, they share quite honest opinions about their hard times and their good times. And it's quite nice, actually, and quite motivational to take away their tips. So I really like that podcast, that story of a CEO. I also started a new page on Instagram last year called Boss Seasons. That's B-O-S and then Season, Boss Season. And the reason why I started that page is because I realized that there's so many people who are trying to maybe progress or advance and develop when it comes to their career or personal development or also getting into the legal industry. So I use it as a page to provide lots of advice and guidance when it comes to personal and career development. And I also share some of my tips as a um, solicitor as well. So if anyone wants any just general tips, motivation, feel free to check those that page out as well. So the two, my two recommendations, um, Diary of CEO and then my page, Boss Season. Thank you so much for sharing. And Diary of CEO, I think that's with Stephen Bartlett, isn't it? Yes, I, it I, is. I, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. so I follow him on Instagram and he's always writing things that I really relate to. So oh, I just mm. think are really inspiring. So yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, and I will leave the details to Boss Season in the description box of the podcast so our listeners can go and check that out as well. So, yeah, that that's um, the end of our podcast. Um, it's been great to have you on the show, Annabelle. You've been such a great guest and provided such valuable insight into in-house life um, and lots of tips and tricks along the way. So thank you so much for, for being on the show with us today. Thanks so much, Camilla, for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment focused experience honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigour and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.